Well, as we were reading in Matthew 28, we were reading essentially the emptying of the tomb, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And what we saw was from the beginning there were liars. Uh, We've been going through a study this summer called Truth Matters because truth matters. Historical truth matters. Why? Well, because the evil one is deceptive. He's a liar. Um, He uses false teachers, false prophets. So many times, unfortunately, that's from within the church. And so we see right here in Matthew 28 that there, there were some who were reporting a lie. Even to this day, that lie spread. And we can say 2,000 years later, even to this day, the lie of who Jesus was and is is spread. But, but what happened? Well, the 11 disciples were, were faithful and true to the gospel and preached the gospel. And they were instructed by the authority of Jesus to go, therefore, make disciples to all nations, baptizing in them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. Lo, I'm with you always, even till the end of the age. And so here we are waiting till the end of the age. But we need people to continue preaching and teaching the truth. We need people going, making disciples, not just talking about Jesus, but making disciples, teaching to all the nations. And here at Ravensdale Bible Church, part of our uh, bylaws and who we are is to help preach the gospel, not just to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, but even to the remotest parts of the earth. Well, how do we do that? How does a little church like Ravensdale uh, accomplish that? We, we could individually send people from within our church, uh, which we have. We can go as a church and, and go do even short-term missions, but, but we believe in making disciples. That, that's a long-term commitment. Uh, that's a comprehensive commitment. And so we have the, the privilege to partner with uh, Trevor and, and Haley, the AMAX and their family. Um, I've known them. Susan and I have known them for several years now. In fact, I was trying to figure out how long, and I, 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 I couldn't figure it out. Um, but it's been a while. Um, we met them at Taylor Creek Church, um, where Taylor served, or Trevor Taylor, Trevor has served there in many capacities, um, wearing many different hats and music, you know, uh, junior high school ministries, and uh, even as, a, as an elder by the end, if I remember correctly. Um, and then I had a, 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 just a, a great thrill was to bring Trevor to Rainier Christian Schools, where I knew I could use some of his other hidden talents, not just being a, a godly man, a biblical man, a man of of, of character and leadership, but also a man who loves sports, which, you know, is close to my heart too. And so we were able to, you know, sneak him in in the athletic director role, but really we wanted him spiritually. And uh, he was the athletic director and helped coach football and basketball and and, um, all the other hats over there. But it's just been uh, great for us, for me to be able to, um, as a church, help support them prayerfully, financially, 
Um, but we need to understand and know them better collectively, individually. And so we wanted to make sure that we brought Trevor in so that he could just, just talk to us about uh, what the Lord is doing, not only in his family's life, but in Cambodia and just how the, the Lord is using them and how we're partnering with them. And so I'm going to ask Trevor to come up and Tony, um, doing quick math, it's been about 17 years. I think about 17 years. You think 20? I didn't think you were that old. Uh, well, I just turned 40, so I'm not as old as you are. Wow, right? I know, right? Can I get an amen there? Yeah. Um, it is a pleasure just to be here, and, uh, you know, this church has supported us faithfully. Um, for the past four and a half years that we've been in Cambodia. Um, I want to share just a little bit before my wife comes up and we kind of kind of give you our the ministry and what's going on there in Cambodia. I want to share with you is actually, um, you know, I love how the Holy Spirit works because I didn't tell Tony what I was going to be talking on, but I want you to turn to Matthew 28. <clears throat> you know, this is the go-to passage when it comes to missions. And I just want to kind of get us biblically aligned, our mindset correct, and, and it leads into what we're doing and why we're doing what we're doing in Cambodia. And so in Matthew 28, you know, um, in verse 19, Jesus, we, we just read the context, so I don't have to go into that, but in verse 19, it says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, it's interesting. I saw it. I was reading a Barna research uh, poll or statistic, and the question was, what is missions? Like, what do you view missions as? And they gave them different uh, uh, multiple answer questions, so they didn't have to think of this as on their own. And I found it interesting. 29%, okay, 29% said that missions is sharing the truth about who Jesus is. 29%. Not 100. Not even close to 100. 29%. So that leaves, if we do our math correct, at least 71%. I'm not just a jock. I can actually do math, right? Uh, that leaves 71% believing that missions is something else. And the other categories were, you know, social justice and, and, and help. Um, other things were just sharing your beliefs. That was another con uh, thing. Well, what is that? Belief, sharing your beliefs. What does that entail? That could be political beliefs. That could be spiritual beliefs. That could be moral beliefs. That could be, that's a big category, right? And so 29%, specifically 29% said that, uh, that it was sharing the truth about Jesus. Now, it went higher when they targeted pastors, right? When they specifically targeted pastors, and, but it's still kind of unbelievable, 41%. Yeah, 41%, which is unfortunate. I know, I, I, and, and I, you know, it's, it's something that I kind of want to dig into more. Um, and they have other, Barna has done great research on what's the future of missions amongst the millennials, what do millennials believe about missions, Etc. Etc. I'm technically a millennial. That hurts to say. Um, and so, what is my point in this? Well, when we see Matthew 28, 
Jesus gives two very specific explanations of what missions is. Right? He doesn't say, go into all the world and preach the gospel, does he? That's not what he says. He says, go into all the world and what? Make disciples. And then he explains even a little bit what that means in verse 20. What does he say? Teaching them to what? Observe all that I have commanded you. And those tie directly, right? You can't be a disciple if you don't know what Jesus taught. You can't be a disciple if you can't teach others what Jesus taught. And so as a missionary, we are to teach others what Jesus had commanded us, what is in Scripture. I want you to turn over to Acts. We see this all over in the book of Acts. The book of, the book of Acts is, a, is really a, a guideline for missions, if you want to call it that, and how the church got started and, and uh, what it looks like to, to, be, uh, to, to plant churches and to be a missionary. But in Acts chapter 14, uh, the context here, uh, Paul just got stoned, right? He's in Lystra, and uh, he just got stoned, and he got left for dead, and, but he gets back up and walks back in. I think he had a concussion, because I don't think he knew what he was doing. He got up and went. I, it's a joke. I, I, I think he knew exactly what he was doing, but uh, if it were me, I would be running away <clears throat> if I got stoned and left for dead. But starting in verse 19, um, sorry, verse 20, it says, But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch. And I think it's interesting here. There's two things that Paul and Barnabas did in the city of Derbe. And we see it all over, but I'm just highlighting this. What is it? Preached the gospel, right? He preached the gospel and then did what? Make disciples. And what I'm seeing, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is what I'm seeing um, really in all the different parts and places that I've been, but specifically in Southeast Asia, is I'm seeing the ramifications of missionaries coming in and they're either doing one of two things. They are social justice, and the gospel is left out, or it's secondary, okay? Or two, they're preaching the gospel and then leaving. There's no disciple making. There's no training up. There's none of that. It's just, I want to share the gospel. Oh, we've got 50 people that came to know Jesus. Awesome. Ooh, you look like you have a lot of uh, uh, potential to be a leader. You're going to be the pastor of this church that we set up, and then they're gone. And there's no training, there's no disciple making, there's no instructing them on how to read God's word, how to teach God's word, what it means to live a life that's godly, right? And so that's kind of our ministry. I'm setting this up because as, as the church here, this is not specifically for missionaries. This is not a mandate for me only. This is a mandate for all of us. It's a mandate for all of us. Timoth uh, Paul instructs Timothy. Timothy, young Timothy was a pastor. Right? Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And this is kind of our theme verse. This is what we really hinge our, our, our ministry on, the ministry there in Cambodia on. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, 
starting in verse 1, Paul, he's about to die. He knows he's going to die. And he kind of writes this, this last letter to Timothy, his beloved child in the faith. And Timothy's in Ephesus as a pastor. And he says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What's the pattern? What's the pattern? People teaching other people who will teach other people. Right? It's teaching others to teach others. And we see this all over. Titus, right? For, for, for here, it's faithful men. Timothy's to take, entrust what he has heard from Paul to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. In Titus, we see older women to do what? Teach younger women. Right? And so you see this, this really, the, 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 the blueprint in Scripture that Jesus lays out. Even for three and a half years, what did Jesus do? He taught. And he lived and he made disciples. He instructed the, the, the twelve how to follow him and what it means to love God and to love others. And so that is kind of what our ministry is based on, what, what we're doing there in Cambodia. And I want to share with you a little bit about that. So I want to invite my wife up. We want to share with you a little bit about um, what's going on in Cambodia and what specifically we're doing there. Cool, I don't even have to. All right, so Cambodia. So this is my family. So for those of you that don't know us or maybe are slightly familiar with us, um, the good-looking guy right there is me. I'm with the curly hair. <laughs> so, uh, and then my wife is my wife, Haley. And then we, our oldest is Olivia. She's 16. Jackson is 15. I have to think about these because they've all changed since being here. Uh, Jackson is 15. Lacia, she's our foster daughter. She's in Cambodia still. We, we weren't able to bring her. We'll talk a little bit more about her. She's 12. And then Parker, he is here. He is 11. Yep, okay. You turn that. Riker is 9. I know, right? Riker is 9. He's here as well. Tatum is 6. And Adelina is 4. Right, so that is our family. Adelina, this is her first time here in Cambodia. America. Uh, America. <laughs> she was born in Cambodia, so um, this is her, her first time here in, in, uh, in America. So little, real quick, the population of Cambodia, just kind of give you a little bit of background. population of Cambodia is 16.7 million people. It's not a big country. Uh, the area of the, of, the, of the country is about the size of Washington State. Smaller. Smaller? Is it smaller? Okay, there you go. Uh, and it takes about eight hours to get from one end to the other. And so it also kind of tells you the, the infrastructure that they have there. It's awesome. Um, the capital city is Phnom Penh. That's where we live. And it's a city of 2.2 million people. It's estimated to get to almost 10 million by the year 2030. Right? Now, why? Yeah, why? Uh, a lot of the people in the countryside are moving into the city because that's where all the jobs are. Um, but there's also a huge influx of Chinese that are coming in, right? And that's going to impact Cambodia as well. Yeah, it's actually saying that uh, by the year 2035, we're going to have 10 million Chinese integrating into Cambodia. 
So imagine what that's going to do to the to the country and to the culture. Um, Haley and I have actually talked about well, we need to start learning Chinese as well as Kamai um, here soon. Ninety-seven point seven percent are Buddhist, two percent are Islam or Muslim, and then 0.3 percent are Christian. But I use that word loosely. Uh, they they view Christianity as Mormons, Catholics. Um, Jehovah's Witnesses, anybody that's different than Buddhist or Muslim is what they consider Christian. We are actually considered the cult, right? So they have a ministry called the Ministry of Cult and Religion. Religion is Buddhism. We are the, we are the cult. I just find that ironic. So, so just a quick uh, few things about life in Cambodia, just our everyday life. There's no legal driving age. So it's, our teenagers have their own motos and they drive around the city. This is how we get around. We just pile a bunch of people. Um, and things onto our motos. Um, this is another form of transportation called a tuk-tuk. Um, they're really cheap. We can hire them for about a dollar to get around the city. So sometimes if my kids need to go somewhere and I can't take them or whatever, they'll just take a tuk-tuk. Cambodia is home to the world's largest religious building. It's over a thousand years old. Um, we got to first experience it in 2020 during COVID, and so there was nobody there. This is like Cambodia's claim to fame. Um, and so there's usually millions of visitors that come every year. And we went, and there was nobody, and it was glorious to explore these thousand-year-old temples with nobody there. So during the height of their uh, power, Cambodia in like 1,000, was part, Thailand, Laos, and Vietnam were all part of Cambodia. And so there's a really famous temple in Thailand that's actually a Khmer temple. So these temples are six hours to the north of us, um, so we get to go up and explore. But then this temple is an hour and a half south of us, and what's really fun is if you stand in one doorway and you look north, you can see the road that leads all the way, and at one point, all these temples were connected. Um, so it's just kind of a fun, fun thing to ex explore. We do all of our shopping at outdoor markets. Um, Tatum and Addie love to go with me because they get free fruits from our vegetable lady, our fr uh, fruit and vegetable lady. And they like to practice their Khmer and they all like to touch them because they're white and it's just, it's kind of a cute. Okay kids, this is our toy store. This is, this is it. They drive around the city and you can call them down and grab what you want off of them. Um, so we have been in language study for four years, and we'll probably be in language study for another four years. They rate languages from one to five, and Khmer falls on uh, four and a half. So it's one of the harder languages to learn. Um, these are some of the language tutors that we work with. If you get our newsletters, which by the way, if you don't, we have a notebook if you want to put your email down, and we can get you signed up for our newsletters. But this is Lloyd, who has been Trevor's uh, tutor for a long time, and this is Sopatra, and she, um, I've been tutoring with her for a long time. We've been going through the story of hope, which we'll talk about in the Jesus Storybook Bible. And during the course of it, she's cut off her Buddhist bracelets. She's quit giving sacrifices, but she has not accepted Christ. So you can be praying for her. This is just a little, uh, sorry, it's kind of blurry, but an um, example of what our alphabet looks like. There are 74 vowels of consonants. Um, so it's very challenging to read. And Trevor is going to come up here and talk about food here in just a minute. Um, he's grabbing something from his backpack. I, I can start. So this, when he, we're going to talk a little bit more about our ministry in a minute. But as um, he travels around the country with all of his teachers and trainers, and they love to make him try and eat new food. And uh, this one is a fruit. And the more fermented it is, the more delicious they think it tastes. It does not. It's really disgusting. Um, 
Yeah, it's not great. Um, <laughs> but I will say it's better this way than it is not right. Go figure. Um, it's, it's really bitter and like. What is that? Like I, I, don't I don't know, know the name of the fruit. Oh, it's, fruit. It's, it's a fruit, it's yeah. A fruit, I don't yeah. know the English name. I don't think there is an English name. Yeah. They, don't that. they don't import that. No, that's not an imported one. They call it fruit? I'm not sure if it really falls under <laughs> yeah. That's right. Um, and then, you know, spider. How many has ever had a spider before? Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> you had spider? Where have you had spider? I don't know. Some guy came to, uh, he had like a bunch of did you like it? No, but I didn't. <laughs> no, but you did. Well, I've got news for you. So the statistics say that in an average person's lifetime, you will have eaten a spider three times during your sleep. Yeah, they'll crawl in and out of your mouth. You may have been like, you know, wake up with a little bit of bad breath. That's the spider. I'm just kidding. Um, no, so they do. They do tarantula, and uh, it is. It's it's like a crunchy snow crab. It's actually not terrible until it explodes in your mouth. All right, anybody hungry? Okay, so we have, uh, looks like what raw fish, but it's, what they do is they preserve it by pickling it. Um, then they pull it out and it, it, it is raw, but it's pickled, so not. Uh, the one on the top right is what we call mud eel. And it literally is, lives in the mud. They stick their hands in the mud and they pull it out and then they dry it up. And it is, it, it tastes about how it sounds. <laughs> yeah, right. And then the, the, the food on the bottom is actually very delicious, the more Japanese, uh, you know, uh, influence type, type meals. How many of you ever had snails? Did you like it? Yeah. It's good. Yeah. You did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. This is the one thing I did not try. My, my, my teachers, when we go around, they're always shoving stuff down my throat. And this one, they really wanted me to do. And I was about to do it until I saw them pull it out. And it was like, that look, I just came out of my nose. I'm not doing that. They don't really cook it. Yeah, they don't really cook it. That's, I mean, they're dead, but anyways. And then the, the picture there on your right, that looks like a snake head. It's actually a fish head. They call it a snake fish. And uh, he really, they eat everything, right? And he really, really wanted me to have this. And I told him, I was like, you know what? I think you'll enjoy this way more than I will. Why don't you go ahead and keep it? And he was ecstatic about it. So he was super happy that I let him have it. And I was super excited that I let him have it, too. Um, and then, of course, some of the, more, the better ones, bananas. Have you guys ever had grilled bananas before? Grilled bananas are amazing, um, especially the little baby ones, right? The little tiny ones, they're absolutely amazing. So this is Addie out in the province doing uh, some group meetings. So as we were in language school, we quickly realized um, part of the struggle with Kamai is there's basically three different types of Kamai. So you have your reading and writing, which is very formal, and you have your everyday language, and then you have your kingly and your biblical language, and they're all very, very different. And so our language school teaches us the formal, which is the written um, language, which it's important to know. But we noticed there was a disconnect because we go to speak to our neighbors and we were like, I, I don't know what they're saying. So we started inviting our Khmer friends over once a week. We prepare meals together. We invite about 12 of them so they can kind of carry the conversation and we can just practice listening and trying to understand what they're saying 
Um, keep this in mind, this is our yard. We were actually able to move two years ago and this has been a huge blessing because we have grass, but we'll show you what we lived in before. Um, but also keep this in mind because we'll talk about the, the grass just a little bit more in a little bit. So these are just more pictures. It all revolves around food. We take turns making Khmer food and American food. They love it, we love it. It's been fun to learn different uh, ways to cook food. Um, so this was taken outside of the house we lived in for the first two years, and this was right outside the door. We lived right on a busy street, and all of these little houses, um, they all sell various goods. We go out walking a lot, and the neighbor kids like to tag along with us. Because we live in the city, there's not a lot of animals, but there was one day we were at a lot, and the prime minister's, or sorry, a temple, the prime minister's nephew likes to raise exotic animals, but he doesn't really keep them locked up. So we have like gibbons, and you're always like, oh, there they are again. And this bird, um, we're pretty sure it was it belonged to him because he was letting us pet it, and he was very, very friendly. Um, so because there's no yards, there's no parks in Phnom Penh, it's just you just play in the street. So our kids have adapted this uh, lifestyle. Here they had made homemade kites and were running up and down the road. And this was a very rare, I don't know why these pictures don't have more cars and motos. This was a busy road. And so it was just, you just kind of get used to it. You just run around the motos and whatever. Um, so the city has a major problem with flooding. They, during the, the rainy season, 80% of Cambodia is underwater. And so they just build anyway. And the neighborhood that we live in literally means, if you translate it, lake. So they just filled it in. And this is before it gets bad. This is what it looks like um, after about two hours of rain. So this is our yard. That's our trampoline <laughs> under the water. And this is uh, the, the purple building. This is Lysia's school. And it's about a two-minute walk from our house. So um, you can't drive your motos. You just kind of have to walk. And it, unfortunately, the because of the infrastructure of the city, it's con connected to the sewers. So it's not clean water. <laughs> Um, when when she sent me a picture of my kids swimming in her backyard, I was like, why are you letting them swim in that water? And she said, oh, they'll be fine as long as they keep their mouth closed. <laughs> <laughs> she says, only, only two people got only sick. Only two got, were day, sick, so. so that's a win in my book. <laughs> um, so because of the work that we do, we travel outside of the city a lot, and so we enjoy getting out into the countryside. Um, the picture... On the, the right, not the, yes. Um, the cows actually, they uh, have their livestock underneath their homes. So they build their homes up and they raise their animals underneath the house. Um, this is taken in um, one of our pastors that we work with. This is his house. You can see there's no floor. There's just sheets for the walls and those wooden, um, those, their tables and beds. So at nighttime, they just roll their mats on it. This is what they sleep on. And if you notice, this little girl has that fruit that Trevor was eating, that fermented one. They're rock hard, so they play with them like balls. <laughs> yeah, until they're right. Oh, no, no, no. Well, I have to like, almost take like a hammer to get them open. They don't, yes. Yeah, it's like a coconut kind of. <clears throat> so ministry. So that's kind of life, right? That's what, that's everyday life. That's what it looks like. So what is the ministry? Well, we talked about disciples, right? And so we're in the we're in the ministry of making disciples. Um, so one of the one of the byproducts of actually COVID was a youth group got started in our in our school. Uh, churches started closing, youth groups were closed, and we were kind of like, you know what? We're tired of this. We're just going to start a youth group. There's two MK kids, missionary kids, that lived about um, you know five minutes from our house. So we invited them over and started with Olivia Jackson and these two kids, and it went 
from four to about 20. And I have no idea. And most of those are now my kids. Don't know how the word got out. It just did. It's a God thing. And I would say the majority of them are not saved. Um, and so what we're doing is we're working our way through chronologically the Bible, um, starting in Genesis, and we're kind of showing them God's redemptive story and what he's doing in the world. And so uh, there's actually a, a young girl when she first started, she was scrolling on her phone. And uh, I heard Haley and I had a conversation, she's like, what do we do about this? And we're like, well, we're just gonna, we're just gonna let her do that. And then and if it becomes a distraction, we'll talk to her. By the time we got ready to leave to come here, she had put the phone away. She was 100% engaged in um, our last story our last lesson was the messianic psalms and we were having them read through the messianic psalms and having them ask the question uh who will this messiah be like we actually call him satan conqueror because in genesis chapter 3 uh, jesus says that um that there'll be a, a seed from the woman and he will his heel will be bruised but you will crush the head of satan so we call him satan conqueror right so what will the satan conqueror be like what will happen to him and what will he do those are the kind of questions that we want them. So they go to the scripture, they're reading it, and they're answering these questions. And I remember she was so excited. She got, she's like, uh, he's gonna, he's gonna have a kingdom that lasts forever. He's gonna be like all the nations are gonna bow down to him, but something bad's gonna happen to him. He's gonna die, but that doesn't make sense because his kingdom's gonna last forever, right? She's trying really trying to reconcile these things in her mind. And so we just ask her and go, Well, who do you think this is gonna be? And she's like, gotta be a son of David. It's gotta be the son of David, right? And we're like, well, you're not far off. The story to be continued. And she's like, what? <laughs> and so um, and so she's messaging, since then she's messaging Taylor, when are you coming back? We can't wait for you to get back. So you can be praying for her as well. She's not saved. Her name's Benny. Um, and I think the Lord is doing something in her life as we work through this. So, so that's youth group. Um, you know, these are some of my teachers. We'll get into that in just a second. But we have Lon, who I've been discipling for about three and a half years now. Um, Pastor Andrew, that's the, if you saw the, the picture where we talked about this one of our pastor's house, this, that's his house. He lives out in the province. And then Andre is uh, a young man that just took over a church that we work in. Um, and we are mentoring him and kind of helping him uh, take over that church to become a senior pastor, right? So, what, we, what I do is I get together with them a lot of times, especially after our trainings, and we just talk about what went well, what didn't go well, or some of the questions that, that were asked by the congregants or the, the, the people that were training, and uh, how can we do better. So um, just a little bit of disciple. My wife, she volunteers three times a week to go down to the school, which, by the way, we need volunteers. So if you're, if you're, if you're interested in coming for like a year or two years, and you don't need to learn the language, but we need people to come and just teach English. Um, we are specifically with kids. Specifically with this age group right here. Um, so Haley goes down and she's just teaching the Bible. She's, this is a, a storybook Bible that we've got and she's reading it to them and we spend about an hour and a half, two hours just teaching them English, but usually it's the Bible. Um, and this school is actually one of our, my main ministry partners, his name is Sita. Uh, that's his school that he is that he uses to help support his ministry. And then we do a lot of one-on-one -on -one discipleship, um, you know, where I get together with the men, and, uh, or the man by himself, and we just go through scripture and we just study scripture together. We talk about life and what that looks like, 
um, and what it means to be a godly husband, to be a godly father, uh, to be a godly man and, and leader. So, uh, and then as always, we want them to teach others. That's the goal. I, I'm, I'm going to invest in you, but now you need to invest in others. And so this is Andrew. After one of our trainings, he uh, these are three pastors out in the province, and they're just struggling. They just had questions, and they needed prayer. And he spent probably from 9 p.m. to about 1 a.m. just talking with them and praying with them and studying scripture with them. Um, they came to me the next morning. I was like, hey, how you guys doing? Like, oh, we're tired. We're like, why are you so tired? Well, we had a cup of coffee at like 9 p.m., 10 p.m., and uh, we couldn't close our eyes. Like, we couldn't go to sleep. And we're like, what will happen if you drink coffee that late? They're just not used to it. Um, and then Lon, you know, I've been cycling for three and a half years. Right before we left, he came up to me and said, I'm ready to disciple somebody. I, wanted, I want to disciple somebody. So this is a young man at a coffee shop that we met. The coffee shop is run by Christians. And uh, he started working there. He just became a believer himself. And he was wanting somebody to disciple uh, disciple him. And so I connected Lon, and uh, I was just there for the first couple times. And they're going through the story of hope, um, which we'll talk about in just a second. All right, so the Story of Hope training. Have you ever heard of the Story of Hope? No? Uh, the reason why I left is I was going to get the book. I don't know if they're in that. You put it in your suitcase to bring it back to Texas. Aren't there some in that box? Yes. Okay. I can pull them out later. Okay. All right, so afterwards, if you want to look through the Story of Hope, but then come by, so good luck. Um, <laughs> you, can, you can see that. So the Story of Hope, what we do is uh, I'll kind of set this up. This is our main ministry. What we started seeing is pastors that were woefully uneducated. Somebody came in, shared the gospel, set up a church, set up a guy that looked like he had the qualifications of a good leader, maybe a good speaker, and said, you're going to be the pastor, and then left to fend for themselves. And that is prevalent throughout Cambodia. And so we kind of looked at this and saw, man, this is a huge need. We originally went over to start churches, but we had missionaries, we had church leaders come up alongside and say, we don't need missionaries pioneering a church plan. We need missionaries coming alongside the existing church and helping them mature and raise up people within their own church so that they can go, go and replicate themselves. So that's what we, we decided to listen and go, okay, that's what we're going to do. So now the question is, well, how do we get these pastors that are out in the provinces educated and, and learning scripture? They can't quit their jobs. They can't leave their ministry to come to Phnom Penh to go to the Bible school for two years. That's just not feasible. How do we do this? What do we do? Well, we can go to them. And so what we've decided to do is do this traveling academy where we go and we go to a, a capital city of our province. They invite uh, pastors from around the, in the region that are about an hour to two hours away. And for two days, we spend eight hours a day for two days teaching them the Bible, and we go through the story of hope. The story of hope is 40 events, 20 in the Old Testament, 20 in the New Testament, and it's in chronological order, and we spend 16 hours on the Old Testament. We leave, go to a different province, do the same thing, then come home. We're gone about a week. We recuperate, and then we go out about uh, two weeks later, and we go to a different province. A month later, we'll go back to the original province that we went to. So where the Old Testament was, we go back to them and we do the New Testament. And the same thing. We kind of do this circuit. right? By the end, so they'll get a total of 36 hours, 32 hours. By the end, 
everyone there is able to articulate by memory, from, from memory, all 40 events in chronological order and are able to teach that, uh, like some of the major bullet points and doctrines. Okay, so that's the story of hope. That's, that's kind of what we're doing. I have a video here that kind of shows you what that looks like. So let me get this here. notice there's you see a lot of different activities right pictures drawn there's some acting out we have these little cards that have pictures on them the reason for that is a vast majority of the people out in the province especially are, are illiterate or their literacy rate is like at a third grade level okay and so it's really difficult for them to read and comprehend and be able to, to do that kind of stuff so we come up with different activities our curriculum has different activities to help them solidify. We call them Velcro activities, right? It helps it stick so they remember and then they can recall. And so uh, here you see a picture uh, of the six-day creation. Um, and so what we do is we, we, we have them in groups. And we give this group day one, this group day two, this group day three. They have to read the scriptures and then they come up and they have to draw a picture. And then they have to get up and explain to everybody else what they drew. And it's actually really fun, some of the stuff that they draw. And, what they come up with. Um, and then we have a different activity that allows them to, to articulate the six days of creation in order what God did each day. Right? How many here think you could do that? Right? Each day. Day one, what did God do? Day two, what did he do? Day three, what did he do? Right? 
Susan, me, 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 call me, call me. Can do it. Ooh, 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 ooh. Can do it. And so, uh, but it, it can be difficult, right? If you want to be able to recall that quickly, you can come up and talk to me afterwards. I got this really cool exercise. I didn't come up with it, somebody else did, and I think it's fantastic. Um, and so, uh, we teach them. And then we also do actions, right? So this looks like I'm riding a motorcycle. Right? They all explain, oh, motorcycle. I'm like, no, this is actually supposed to be Jesus sitting on his throne. <laughs> Jesus sits way better on his throne, right? Um, so what we do is we have these actions. And you saw them in the video kind of doing them. These are what we call eras. Right? So these are, these are our timeline events or eras, 12 in the old, 12 in the new. And it allows them to take these events and kind of hook them on these different eras. And so they get, they, they're able to tell, like, for instance, you have creation, fall, flood, Babel, patriarchs, right? Moses, Joshua, judges, okay? So, and then it allows them to take these events and place them in those buckets or on those hooks to help them with their financial order. Does that make sense? Yeah. So one thing that we feel very strongly about is for our kids to be a part of the ministry and to um, come alongside with us whenever possible. So... This is probably, uh, you know, the joys of homeschooling. You can take it wherever you go. This is probably one of the more unique places. This was on a floating village. Um, there's over 2,000 people that just live on the lake. So they have these houses. I actually got really motion sick because you're just kind of barely moving. Um, but the kids thought it was great. So we, we want them to feel a part of it. So they help with childcare, dishes. Um, this event we had 300 people, and they had to wash dishes for. And they did it with a joyful heart, and it was that's always sweet for a mama's heart. Um, and then we hand out a lot of resources to the pastors and the way that the workshops work, we have just a lot of different things on the table. So they help us with setup. And then whenever possible, we like to add on some fun little adventures. Um, you know, this is the Mekong River for the, it starts up in China and it comes down. It's a massive river. It's not very safe to swim in, but there's this one place that has these little huts over the water. And so they can kind of swim right there. Um, Sometimes, this doesn't show all the kids, but sometimes I take our uh, partner's kids and we go and do adventures while the, the dads are training. Um, this was actually kind of a funny story. We went way, way up in the jungle, really off-roading, and a monsoon came through and the road turned into a river and we couldn't get out. So we managed to start a fire and I had just happened to pick up hot dogs at the store, so it was great. We just had a picnic. I thought we were gonna get trapped in the jungle for a little bit, but we got out. Um, and then on Sunday mornings, we drive an hour and a half into the province. This is Sita. This is his church. We come and help. This is Sita and Addie. They have a very sweet relationship. Um, when we first started helping out at this church, they asked Trevor to take over, and we said no, but we'll help train up a Khmer pastor. We didn't want uh, Trevor didn't want to take over the church. We thought that was going backwards. So we talked about Andre. So Andre is being uh, mentored by Trevor and Sita to take over the church. This is our congregation. Um, it's pretty small, but for a, a village church, it's, it's not too bad. And some of the teachers, um, funny, like just a quick story. They had a work party. They were getting ready for Christmas, and we want to level out the grass because it's very uneven and it floods. So we wanted to raise it and just level it out a little bit. And it was supposed to be dirt, and they brought rocks. And we were late, and we, know, we knew we were going to be late. We told them we had a previous engagement, and so we arrived, and they were waiting for us. Yeah, and these two tools, this is it. This is what we had to spread out this rock. And at one point, like four hours in, Trevor was sitting on top of the pile just throwing rocks like, I just don't even know what else to do at this point. <laughs> um, 
we managed to hire a farmer to come for $10 and five minutes it was all level. And this is what it looked like afterwards. Um, one thing our family is praying about is moving out into the province. Because of our distance from the church, we only go out on Sundays, but we would like to be closer. So um, we, They have plans to start an English club and a youth group and kids programs, and we want to be a part of that, but living an hour and a half away makes it pretty challenging. So it's just something... Um, these are all taken from the province that we're looking at moving to. So just asking for prayer. It's uh, Takayo. Um, so it, it's challenging because it, you can't really find houses out there. So we're looking at maybe possibly having to build. Otherwise, we're living kind of like a hut. And that's just challenging with nine people living in these tiny little huts. So. So one of the things that we look at, I'm always trying to look for the future, what happens when we're done with the story book, right? Eventually we'll exhaust the story book and, 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 it's, and, and teaching it. And so what we're trying to do is, we don't want to go to the province to be one and done. We want to go back to these different locations and kind of build. So we're laying a foundation with the story book, it's very basic, but then we want to kind of start building and building and building, right? And developing their understanding of scripture. And so, but we need resources. Right now, in Cambodia, they have like three commentaries that are translated, um, and it's not even though it's the whole Bible. They have uh, quite a few like books from like John Piper, like Don't Waste Your Life Life kind of stuff. They have a few of those that are translated. Um, their Bible that is translated is not great. There's the Wycliffe uh, Society is actually working on a new translation from the original Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. Uh, their Bible currently that's translated is translated from the uh, King James Version, and it was translated in 1950, right? It hasn't been updated since even, right? So imagine a book that hasn't been updated for 70 years. Um, and so that's it's interesting. So we're trying to look at getting resources. Um, and so we're putting, we put together a translation team. A lot of them are some of my teachers. And uh, these are some of the resources that we're going to be translating moving forward. Uh, hermeneutics. Um, homiletics, how to preach. A lot of the pastors that I talk to, they're like, I don't even know how to preach. Uh, in fact, a lot of times they'll just go to YouTube and take a, a sermon off of YouTube and make it their own and, and go that direction. Uh, church polity, what is what is the the you know what does the church look like? How is it the, you know scripture actually is pretty prescriptive on what a church is to look like and, and its governance. Um, parenting, uh, marriage. And then obviously commentaries and Bible handbooks. So the idea is we want to give these pastors and equip them uh, with the ability to train others, to teach others. And then we also want to leave resources behind so that they can do that. So with that, if you have any ideas on resources, I would love to hear them. But keep in mind, it can't be seminary-type level resources. Right? They're just not there. Uh, they have to be a little more basic and, and easier to understand. Um, so something that kind of... Uh, has been a late development. You know, we always talk about Cambodia is an open country. I can go there and be a missionary. I don't have to be business missions or anything like that. And in Southeast Asia, think about that. Think about all the countries in Southeast Asia. Laos, Vietnam, Indonesia, Malaysia, Thailand. Um, you know, that's Bank, Bangkok, uh, Bangladesh, Myanmar. Those are all kind of considered Southeast Asia. How many of those are actually open? 
Thailand and, 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 and Cambodia. So we've always talked about, you know, if Cambodia could be a, a launching point for the gospel, because they can get into these other countries and back. No big deal. They can cross Vietnam border, no visa required. It's like us in Canada. Well, before COVID, I guess. Right? You can get across, no big deal. And so it's the same thing with them. So we thought, wow, if we could just somehow get the church to the point where they can then be, start sending missionaries. I never thought it would happen in my lifetime. Uh, but through our trainings and, and people that we've met. So for instance, this guy, he is part Khmer, part Laos. A lot of Laos villages in Cambodia, especially northern Cambodia. And he pulled me aside after one of our trainings and he said, hey, I need to talk to you about the story of hope, specifically and in, in, in its usefulness. And he proceeds to tell me, he goes, I go to these Laos villages because I have a heart for the Laos people, and I'm sharing the gospel. And then this one Laos village, and this village chief calls me over to himself and says, hey, you teach the Bible, don't you? And he's like, yeah, kind of nervous. And then the guy goes, I want you to tell me what the Bible's all about. Yeah, and that's a bit, I mean, but think about that. If somebody said, hey, tell me what the Bible's about, what would you do? Oh, where do I start, right? And so he goes... You know, I remember you guys gave me a digital version of the story of hope. So he pulls it on his phone and he starts translating it uh, to the, the Laos village chief and go, just walks through what he went through from Genesis all the way up. And when he gets to Jesus, he's about to be crucified. The village chief tells him, stop, he needs to stop. What you're telling me, I think is true. I want you to come back and I want you to teach my village what you just told me. Right? And so he says, what you guys are doing is good. He goes, oh, by the way, you need to get this translated into Laos. And I'm like, me? I don't know Laos. You know Laos. <laughs> you get translated. Um, and he laughed. And I was like, I'll help you. We can, we can work together on this. And so uh, that's just a story. Uh, this is another man from Vietnam. Uh, he, same idea. He's like, I want you to come to Vietnam. And I want you to teach the people that I know in Vietnam, the pastors of Vietnam, what you're doing in Cambodia because I think it would be extremely useful. Good news is Story of Hope is already translated to Vietnamese. It needs to be uh, edited. edited because it's not a great one. Um, but we'll be working with him. Uh, <clears throat> and then Indonesia. Same thing in Indonesia. We've got a, a pastor there that's like, I love what you guys are doing. You need to come to Indonesia and, and teach us what you guys are doing with this traveling academy. And so those are just some opportunities that have kind of fell in our lap that we're going to be looking at, praying about how do we do this, what does that look like, um, and and even just weighing the risk, because me going across to Vietnam, specifically uh, Indonesia and Laos, that's Christianity's outlaw. You get put in prison for that, right? And so that's something that uh, we need to just be prayerful about and, and mindful about as far as, as, as how we get across and what we do, so. Uh, just real quick, talk about Lucia for a minute. The Lord literally dropped this girl into our laps. We have six kids of our own, and we we're not ever anticipating um, fostering or even pursuing adoption, but the Lord has opened up that door. Um, we love her just like one of our own kids. She just, the Lord has really just put a, a spot for her in our hearts. First and foremost, I'm asking for prayer for her salvation. She's not saved. She's open to it, but she's grown up Buddhist. She's 12 years old. Um, she's very confused. At one point around Christmas time, she said, Mom, I... When I die and I'm reborn, I hope I'm born as your real daughter. And so there's Did she just. Say she prayed to Jesus that she would be Yeah, there? and you know, she just, there's a lot of just confusion in her. So she's open to it, but just pray that the Lord would just really, what um, He would call her. And then for her family, we are now in contact with her biological family. And so 
prayer for their salvation. And then third, um, from a human perspective, it seems almost impossible for her adoption, but the Lord has really opened up a lot of doors already. And so we're just praying that we can get her adopted by the time she's 14. If that happens, then she'll be granted U.S. citizenship. Um, if not, by 14, then she won't get U.S. citizenship. So God knows, and he's sovereign over all these things. And if that doesn't happen, we're happy to be just her legal guardians until she's 18. And then she could actually choose to still be adopted by us. And it would just be to give her a different name. Um, but just pray for her. So it's been um, difficult leaving her behind. But we're close to going back. So future ministry plans, dorm ministry. Um, you know, the, the dorm ministry is, we, uh, you know, students graduate from high school, they come to John Penn to go to the university. They can't afford uh, to live in the city. And so what we've seen is churches will establish a dorm where they can come and stay. Um, and then while they're there, they get the gospel. Um, we also do English classes for them, teach them some other soft skills like computer skills, music, and stuff that they're interested in. But the primary role is to give them, one, a safe place to stay, but also the, an opportunity to share the gospel and minister to them that way. Uh, Haley and I, one thing we noticed is um, Khmer Christians, they've come to the knowledge of, of Jesus Christ in one of two ways, primarily one of two ways. English class or dorm ministry. Right? It's interesting. And, and to give you an idea, the median age, the average age of Cambodia, 24. And it's getting younger. Um, part of that's the history um, of Cambodia and what took place with Pol Pot in, in the 70s and 80s, where he murdered a quarter of their population and anybody that was educated. That's why they're illiterate. illiterate right? Anybody that had an education of any sorts, dead, gone. Another quarter of the population fled the refugees, so um, the remaining are there, and, and um, so you have a lot of ed uneducated people and uh, educated, uneducated people, right? You know how that goes. So, so with that, that's our future ministry. I don't know if we have time for questions or not. One minute, two minutes of questions, and then we'll be done. Her dad has signed over his rights. Um, he met with us in December, and he's unable to care for her at this point. And her mom has officially abandoned her by law. She doesn't, I don't think, realize that, and that's why we've um, paused on pursuing adoption because we want mom to be fully aware. Mom can't come in and just take her because we have legal custody, but I just don't feel like it would be right to just proceed without her. So we're, we're trying to work with mom, but mom, um, she just she has a new life, a new boyfriend, and just doesn't care. So it's it's tricky. Her name is Lacia. L A S E A. Yeah. So um, kids in the city all. The majority of them learn English. It's part of the curriculum for them to learn English. So it's been challenging for our kids to learn Khmer because all the kids, when they come over, they want to speak English. So um, when Lucia came to us, she didn't speak any English. Um, but our Khmer is, I mean, we, we can communicate in Khmer for sure. We're, we're just not fluent. We're probably 60, 70% of the way there. So she and I communicate primarily in Khmer. 
where my kids and her, they speak kind of a mixture of English and Khmer together. It's kind of... English. Yeah, I can be English. I was interested in your driving to church. So you guys are, that's the church you consider your church is the one that you drive to every yep. Sunday. So that's an hour and a half drive yep. every Sunday to and from. Yes. And you're hoping to get out there. Closer. We want to be closer, maybe within 30 minutes of it. Okay. So we don't want to be too far from the city. Yeah. Um, you don't want to be too far from healthcare. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, even, I mean, we do the majority of our shopping at super, like the little outside markets, but I still buy some American foods at the supermarket. And if you want to do anything, you have to go to the city, so. Okay, so you kind of, okay, not exactly there, but between. Yeah, yeah, the city is the hub, right? So if you even want to travel anywhere in, in the province, you go to the city. So if, if you want to go here, you so go the here, city. then there. Sure. Right? So um, the city is just the hub. So. Yeah. And everybody's coming to the city. It it hasn't yet, but this year it got this far from flooding. Um, they had the house used to flood, and so our landlord several years ago raised the inside by about three feet. Um, so, like inside our house, the windows are like almost to the ground. It's kind of funny. Um, What's flooding underneath? Well, it's a it's mostly just concrete so um that's that's another reason we we're talking about they just every year they keep building and building and building and filling in all the lakes around us which is why every year it just floods more and more and more they haven't figured out water dispersion yet <laughs> so you can't use the toilets for about a day and a half because they don't flush um so it's you know it's fun <laughs> how long do you guys turn on um the Lord called us somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. That's home. So, yeah. yeah, it's home. It's home for us. We've been there for four years. Um, but our goal has always been working ourselves out of a job. You know, we want to get to the point where, and, and the cool thing is, one of the blessings, I got a call from one of my teachers and or a, a text message while we were here in the States, and he goes, hey, I need 40 student workbooks at the story point. I'm like, okay, great. They're in my office. You go get them. Oh, by the way, why? And uh, he goes, we're, uh, we're doing a training out in one of the provinces. And so they took it upon themselves to do it, right? And so that's what we want. We want them to own it. We want them to take it and not require me to be able to do it. So. So if you guys, if you want a prayer card, we have prayer cards. We have the notebook if you want to sign up your email address. And then we can show you what the books look like if you're interested. Um, I'm going to ask your kids to come up um, so we can pray for you guys. And Parker, right? Libby as well. Come here. No. <clears throat> A couple things. One of the one of the amazing things that's happened in, in missions, and, and you heard Trevor kind of mention it, and, and it's hard for people to fully grasp, but their ability to communicate in another language, to go shopping and have a conversation, uh, you know, it's taken about four years. Preaching the gospel, though, is then you're talking about like mastery of a language. And, and so it's not uncommon, it hasn't been uncommon for missionaries to go, and it takes, you know, five years to, to get to a level where you could actually like, you know, preach a, a sermon. And we, we just saw a lot of fallout with that. Um, 
they didn't quite get there. And then they left, and there was no elders, there was nobody to, to train. So if, if they leave, there's nothing there. What you're hearing with, with, with their ministry is, you know, they're, they're teaching others to, to lead. So right now, the ministry's going on. And, and that's really part of the, um, the success of what they're doing, is that somebody's over there and getting 40 workbooks. And, and, and that's the beauty of the model, is in, in one day, Trevor can, can meet with somebody, and that person who then is a, a pastor, teacher, somebody else, the next day is teaching 40 other people. And, and, and so that's one of the reasons why we're, you know, we're behind them. We, we believe in not only what they're doing, but how they're doing it. And, and that is important because we, we want to see roots. Um, and so if tomorrow they left Cambodia, um, there would still be a, a, a long-lasting ministry there. That's what the early church did. Paul went into all these different places and left. How did he do that? He, he did that because he, he taught other people how to lead. They planted churches, and the ministry went on. And so <clears throat> just want to pray for them, and uh, you guys can, can uh, kind of close your eyes and join us in prayer. Lord, thank you so much for the AMAX. It, it's an amazing thing to see their ministry, to see how it adapts, it changes, and that they're flexible. Lord, the Holy Spirit is untamable. And so we, we, we want to be able to flow with those, those changes. And we see that the AMAX are able to, to adapt and, and to just follow your lead, um, to be willing to submit and to be humble and to serve. We're thankful for their children. Their, their family is a ministry. People are watching them. People are watching their family. And, and so we, we pray for their family. We, we pray for the, the, the spiritual growth of their family. We know that parenting is difficult anywhere, much less when you go across the country and, or across the world. So we pray for their children, for their salvation. We pray for their new one. And, and Lord, we, just, um, we, we pray that as a family, uh, they're strengthened. And, and minister to the, the the minister needs ministering pray for trevor and his relationships and, and haley that there are other people that are able to uh, encourage them support them um, and, and to to give them relief as well lord thank you for the opportunity to partner with them the opportunity to know them and the opportunity to preach teach disciple your story throughout the world, especially in a place like Cambodia. We give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, as a reminder, we, we usually have uh, their newsletter posted on our, on our court board, so um, you can always reach down, grab that, and take a look at it. And um, If you have any other questions, feel free to, to ask them, and let me, um, you guys are dismissed. Wow. Oh, yeah. Supporting them financially, that's a good thing. So, but another way you can partner with the gym is very, very, very big. Yes. And that's your responsibility.